0: No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
3: Recorded live. Hey, welcome to the American Liberties call. And uh, tonight again, we have uh, we have our uh, our infamous guest to some and famous guest to others, and a good friend of mine, Dave Maryland. And I'm not going to give any type of speech. I'm, I'm kind of wore out myself for the, for the moment. It's been a uh, a long day for me, so I'm just going to go ahead and turn it over to Dave to give us any updates he may have and and share anything that he would like. And uh, if you have any questions, his star eight. And when it's time, I will unmute you and if you have any questions in the chat uh go ahead and uh type it in but wait towards the time we get to the um to the um uh, question and answering period to make it easier to find and if anybody comes in and wants to write a bunch of bull then I got to uh freeze everybody from writing anything Uh, until I find out who who did it. So uh, with that being said, Dave, what do you got to say tonight?
0: Well, right now I'm in the process of uh, copying and pasting the names of uh, the sites of particular cases of interest for the topic that I want to uh, discuss on today's call. Uh, Give me just a second here. And for those of you that are just on the phone, sorry.
2: Um, You know, thank you, TalkShoe. There's some things
0: TalkShoe just can't do. Like let you uh, copy and paste. You paste it into the chat window and you click on the green arrow there to put it in the uh, discussion, and it just won't do it.
2: Like it's on vacation or something. Just amazing. Just amazing.
3: Do you want to Skype it over to me and see if I can do it? Yeah.
0: How do you do good work when uh, you're up against this kind of article uh,
2: obstacle? Yeah, get on Skype, Chris. All right. Okay, I see you. The, the topic is Article
0: 3 standing. You got an Article 3 court. And, uh, well, let me start by saying uh, what I predicted would happen in South Dakota has finally happened. The lawsuit was dismissed. You know, you don't predict how they're going to act. You wait until they act the way they act, and then you respond to it. And uh, I was telling you all along they're going to dismiss the lawsuit. Just wait to see what the reason is. And they have dismissed the lawsuit, saying that the uh, plaintiffs have failed to prove Article Three standing. Standing is a matter of whether or not you're qualified to be in court on the particular controversy. A uh, real easy to understand description of standing would be if uh, if somebody gets beaten up by the police, somebody that's not me, and I sue for damages, I don't have standing. I'm not the injured party or uh, I've sued the wrong person. There's no connection between the defendant and the uh, damage. So these are things that would negate standing. Uh, my name is David Merlin. Welcome to the American Liberties Call on March 30th, 2016. Nothing you'll hear is intended as legal advice. Anything that sounds like that to you, just consider something somebody else might do on a planet far, far away where the law matters. It doesn't matter here. I prove it on a daily basis. And this is another instance where it's easily proven that the law doesn't matter on uh, planet Earth or in America. It just doesn't count for anything. Uh, You can go back in my archive at 59615 here on TalkShoe, 59615, no confidence and the archive here at 87488, American Liberties. And you'll hear discussion of this lawsuit and the reasons it was filed, the issues that are raised in the lawsuit against the United States, filed in U.S. District Court, South Dakota. Uh, I knew it would get dismissed. Um I've never said it had really more than a 30% chance of being sustained and allowed to move forward. But uh, it was filed last May 20th. In August, the government filed a motion to dismiss. The plaintiffs filed an opposition. and September 14th, the uh, government filed a rebuttal to the opposition. And six months, six and a half months later, September, October, November, December, January, February, March, six and a half months later, they made a decision saying that the plaintiffs had not proven standing, Article Three standing to be in court. And the uh, issues raised in the lawsuit were very straightforward. I want the court to declare that I'm not willful if I fail to file or fail to pay in the future because the law is being kept a secret. And uh, they can't prove I have a legal duty. That I'm being threatened with indictment on a daily basis. They'll they'll indict somebody for not filing a tax return. And uh, let's see, they'll call you a sovereign citizen if you... uh, contradict the IRS in any way, but then there were very uh, specific challenges about the fact that I'm a citizen of the United States, uh, according to the government, and if that's true, I'm only named in regulation. Statutes do not implicate citizens of the United States as a subject of one, one or more of these income taxes in the tax code and they did all the work by writing regulation 1.1-1 section 1 of the tax code does not mention that citizenship or anybody else's and the regulation does you can't do that with a regulation and if they hadn't written this regulation I wouldn't be subject and secondly to tax the value of my labor they deprived me of section 83 and 6201A restricts assessment authority to taxes that should have been paid by stamp, but were unpaid. And the regulation they wrote to implement the statute doesn't even mention the term stamp. So they get all their assessment authority by omitting the term stamp from the language of a regulation implementing their statutory assessment authority. And the court, just like all the courts that came before it, they will not get into the provisions relied upon, they will not interpret their language because the language obviously protects uh life, liberty, and property privacy so article three standing I pasted in the uh, you have the uh the site of three different cases hedges versus Obama. That was the one about the National Defense Authorizations Act. And the Second Circuit says it doesn't apply to you. You're an American in the 50 states. And so you don't have standing to sue. Katz versus Pershing uh, Limited Liability Company, 2012. And Perez versus Mortgage Bankers Association Supreme Court, 2015. And uh, what you don't hear me saying is, uh, oh, they dismissed for Article 3 standing. So I'm, I wrote this uh, sui juris sovereign citizen letter about being a free man upon the land with uh, uh, the, uh, the, uh, the crown in England being in charge of the, the bar association and all this other great garbage that the patriot movement turns out instead. I'm working on proving that the plaintiffs have Article III standing. Now, in Perez v. Mortgage Bankers Association Supreme Court 2015, there's a very interesting paragraph uh, from Justice Scalia about the duty of the court. Article 3 judges cannot opt out of exercising their check meaning the judiciary is a check and a balance against abuse of authority of the other two branches Article 3 judges cannot opt out of exercising their check as we have long recognized the judiciary has a responsibility to decide cases properly before it even those it would gladly avoid This responsibility applies not only to constitutional challenges to particular statutes, including those based on the separation of powers, but also to more routine questions about the best interpretation of statutes or the compatibility of agency actions with enabling statutes. In each case, the judiciary is called upon to exercise its independent judgment and apply the law when courts refuse even to decide what best interpretation is under the law, they abandon the judicial check. That abandonment permits precisely the accumulation of governmental powers that the framers warned against. Exactly. Article 3 standing, as described in Katz versus Pershing Limited Liability Company, first circuit 2012 the first element of article 3 standing is injury in fact this element is defined as an invasion of a legally protected interest which is a concrete and particularized and b
2: actual or imminent not conjectural or hypothetical Please, nothing irrelevant in the chat. I have to stop and I have to read this, and it takes me totally off topic. Back to the first element. Uh, Please block guest number five, Uh, if not everybody. I'm trying to give a lesson here.
0: The element is defined as an invasion of a legally protected interest, which is A, concrete and particularized, and B, actual or imminent, not conjectural or hypothetical. The requirement of an actual or imminent injury ensures that the harm has either happened or is sufficiently threatening. It is not enough that the harm might occur at some point, Future time. The second element is causation. This element requires the plaintiff to show a sufficiently direct causal connection between the challenged action and the identified harm. Uh, The final element, the plaintiff must show that a favorable resolution of the claim would likely redress the professed injury To satisfy this requirement, the plaintiff need not definitely, uh, definitively demonstrate that a victory would completely remedy the harm. Okay. So going through these three elements, uh, the element is, first element, an invasion of a legally protected interest, which is concrete and particularized and actual or imminent. They're extorting money from me, an exhibit attached to this complaint was the 180-page criminal complaint filed with Congress January 1st of '06, with 80 members of Congress saying that they keep the law a secret, uh, it protects me, they don't deny it, and so I hereby accuse them of extortion, racketeering, and conspiracy against rights. Federal felonies, one and all. Mail fraud. And... Uh, the plaintiffs have a due process right to be taxed by clear language or to be left alone when such language is doubtful. Plaintiffs have a first amendment right against forced association. Plaintiffs have rights. Plaintiffs have rights against unreasonable search and seizure. Plaintiffs have the right to be taxed in accordance with the law as written and enacted by Congress. Plaintiffs have a due process right to proof that the provisions of 26 USC apply and operate in ways the United States and its agencies claim they do and to be treated by such agencies as prescribed by law. Plaintiffs have rights to deductions and exclusions from gross income provided for or allowed by the provisions of 26 U.S.C. if it is proven said title applies to them. Plaintiffs have a due process right against being forced to speculate as to the meaning of penal statute. All of these rights are infringed upon or totally abrogated when the law is kept a secret by the government and through that secrecy, through hiding behind the complexities of the tax code, the IRS is allowed to uh, search records, pillage estates, and deprive people of their liberty. So I think I've proven... There's a, an invasion of a legally protected interest, which is concrete and particularized and actual or imminent and not just conjectural or hypothetical. I feel that without even stating these things, uh, the court can fully recognize, should fully recognize, and it does, they're just corrupt. Every judge is as corrupt as the day is long. I prove it, I prove it, and I prove it and they know that this is precisely the allegation outlined in that criminal complaint, and yet they say, oh, you have no Article Three standing. Well, it can't be because of this first one. Uh, I've definitely shown an invasion of legally protected interests
2: that's concrete and particularized and actual or imminent. Extortion, racketeering, yeah,
0: they're depriving me of my property. Uh, They're conspiring against my rights to liberty. Yeah, I meet the first element of Article 3 standing. Number two, this element requires the plaintiff to show a sufficiently direct causal connection between the challenged action and the identified harm. Yeah, they wrote a regulation to make me liable to the tax code. And they deprived me of tax code section 83 to steal my money in an extortion racketeering scheme that's been identified and for which they've been accused in the criminal complaint that went to Congress that was attached to the civil complaint and incorporated by reference. In the first paragraph of the complaint, the attached offer of proof in its exhibits are incorporated by this reference as if fully restated herein. So it's not the second element of Article Three standing in which the plaintiffs are deficient. Three, the final element is redressability. The plaintiff must show that a favorable resolution of a claim would likely redress the professed injury. Yeah, I want the court to declare that they deprived me of Section Eighty-Three that when they fail to train on Section 83, it violates my rights to due process. That'll make them train on Section 83. I want the court to declare that I'm not willful. I don't have a legal duty to believe in, as evidenced by the fact they can't even talk about the law, and so I'm not willful if in the future I fail to file or fail to pay. And if the court declared that, then I don't have to sweat being indicted yeah, a favorable resolution for me would redress the professed injury. And I want this regulation declared null and void that names me as a subject to the tax when the statute doesn't. I want this other regulation declared null and void which omits the term stamp from their assessment authority description. And so I meet the third prong of the Article Three standing test And that's the reason for the court having dismissed the lawsuit, and they say that uh an amended complaint would not uh would not uh, what he meant by that an amended complaint that argues uh article three standing wouldn't get you by either because the claims are frivolous horse feathers these claims are not frivolous for twenty three years the government has refused to address these arguments. So they'll say whatever they have to to protect the IRS because every judge is as corrupt as the day is long. They are wholly owned subsidiaries of the Internal Revenue Service and you can't have the law. I prove it and I prove it and I prove it. So the plaintiffs, uh, we haven't had a call with all the plaintiffs yet. We're going to very soon uh, to address the uh, judge's dismissal and what can be done about it. Uh, They're going to file an amended complaint. Well, the lead plaintiff will file it, and the plaintiffs that choose to join it, uh, saying that, you know, I hereby declare I have read the... uh, the motion to dismiss, and I've read the order of dismissal, and I've read the lead plaintiff's uh, amended complaint. I hereby uh, lend my signature to that complaint with this affidavit. Uh, There may be plaintiffs that choose not to. All I've told them from the very start uh, that they would get out of this lawsuit, this exercise in near futility, uh, all they would gain is the privilege of being able to say in the future they even sued the United States for proof the tax code imposes a duty on citizens of the United States and the government can't debate them on three, four, or five statutes. That's all I ever said they would get out of this. It's all we intended to get out of this for people that might be the lead plaintiff uh, was receiving uh, letters, had received Front, uh, letters from the Criminal Investigations Division of the IRS, so he obviously was uh, facing an imminent indictment. So at least the lead plaintiff met all three of the uh, prongs of the Article Three standing test, and I knew it would be dismissed. And this is a chance to put another layer on the uh, a layer of icing on the cake in the form of an amended complaint and we'll do this dance once again with the government and it'll be dismissed again. But now anybody involved in the complaint has every right to say I even sued the government for proof that the tax code imposes a duty and they can't talk about it. And in my opinion, and based on successes that Chris and I have had in the past, In halting IRS criminal investigations and grand jury proceedings, uh, I feel that the people that are plaintiffs to this lawsuit have greatly reduced the likelihood that uh, in the future they'd be indicted if they fail to file or fail to pay, or both. So that's all we're trying to do here. I make no promises because you can't predict corruption. It can't be done. The corrupt uh, people in government do what they do. And uh, when they do it, hopefully in uh, as a matter of uh, preemption, it's nice if you can uh, preempt what they're doing. And that's what this does. You got a bunch of people out there that claim victory when, in fact, they... Uh, went to trial they were strapped with a uh totally inadequate public defender possibly an inadequate criminal defense lawyer didn't know anything about section 83 or even how to how the tax code operates to impose taxes they had, maybe they had to pay thousands and thousands of dollars for representation for a hired attorney and ultimately their future uh along with their ass and assets, slapped in the breeze in front of a trial jury full of strangers until they finally found out he's been found not guilty. Well, that's not a victory. That's a close call. A victory is when you can preempt the government and keep it from indicting somebody in the first place. That's where I have focused my efforts. And this is an exercise in exactly such an attempt. I'm simply trying to keep the plaintiffs to this lawsuit from being indicted. So uh, there's nothing... uh, the, The research was the complicated part. The rest is pretty easy. If you stay inside the box, which means you turn your back, on everything the Patriot Movement has to say and you ignore it for the rest of your life. The Patriot Movement is good for absolutely nothing but creating victims. You don't see any of them going to court effectively. And effectively, I I don't mean you're going to get the court to, to say, yep, we've been stealing from you for decades. Social Security is theft. It always has been. I'm not a dreamer. The effect I hope to uh, obtain or cause is to keep people from being indicted. And I am effectively doing that. Chris did exactly that using my work in January of 07. Went before the grand jury and said there's no duty to believe in They're the criminals, and gave the grand jury my work and never heard from them again. Then uh, on the call from time to time here, we have Mr. Oates from South Carolina that says uh, the IRS shut down a criminal investigation because he joined my complaint and served all of them with... uh, a copy of the complaint
2: and memorandum. So uh, that's what I mean by effectiveness.
0: And everybody else is void of success unless they get acquitted. And even then, as I said, their future hung in the balance in front of a uh, trial jury full of strangers. They were still indicted. Uh, Sherry Jackson went around the country on a seminar tour saying, you don't have a duty to file or a duty to pay. And she obviously did not believe she had a duty. And she was indicted anyway. You can't predict corruption. And so even if they have to lie, they'll go to a grand jury. This process makes it harder for them to do that. That's what I mean by effective. You're never going to get a judge to admit that they're thieves. Uh, think about it. Uh, you approach a child molester. Did you molest this child? How many of them will say yes? None. So don't expect it of a judge because they're worse than child molesters. They lie to get their job and then send innocent old ladies and, and men to prison. So you have to be realistic about all this. And the only reason any of this was done was to prevent an indictment and uh, I can understand and fully realize that on its face that lawsuit easily proved uh, Article 3 standing for the plaintiffs. The way I wrote it, what I included in it, the uh, exhibits that were attached to it, And the judge uh, found a way, not a legitimate way. Uh, The judge looks terrible for having dismissed the lawsuit with the explanation that he gave. Totally bogus. It's obvious. A criminal complaint, extortion, racketeering, conspiracy against rights, mail fraud. How have I not? shown them to be the cause of the harm how have I not alleged that harm is being done has been done and will be done imminently so the judge is a farce the court is a farce Uh, just like I told all the
2: litigants from the very start The, the justice system is farcical so anyway
0: an amended complaint with a whole bunch of this great garbage in it, and they'll dismiss it again. So uh then uh we'll get together with the South Carolina plaintiffs that want to file one of these, and uh, we'll go ahead and do it in South Carolina, too, to show that no matter what court you go into, you lack standing because the IRS owns every court, and we'll tell the court right there in person This is fact. You are a wholly owned subsidiary of the Internal Revenue Service. You are not a judge. A judge would say what the law is. But instead you'll ignore all the case law that says that's what a judge is supposed to do and you will find in favor of the government and again and still all of these provisions relied upon will remain off limits. It's pick and choose. Only the laws that appear to allow you to screw people will be placed on the record or mentioned by the government, and the laws that we mention will be set aside. We aren't going to talk about it. We don't care about their language. You contradicted the IRS, and so you're frivolous. Now, an interesting case uh, from a very particular standpoint for these purposes, is U.S. versus Melton. And I'm going to get that on the screen here. Uh, Let's see. What file is that in? Um, Oh, here we go. U.S. versus Melton is uh, very interesting. Let's see here
2: and approved. Okay. Melton. U.S. versus Melton is a case from 1996. And I'm going to see if I can paste it into the
0: chat window here. I can paste it into the chat window whether or not it shows up on the uh, oh look at that it worked US versus Melton here's what the government does to how it meets its burden of proof and if you listen to my shows on 59615 you'll hear me go through this saying here's how the government meets its burden of proof to prove that the law imposes a duty because we know that uh, in U.S. versus Cheek, that uh, the government has to prove that a duty is imposed and that the defendant knew of the duty and failed to perform the duty. This is how they prove that a duty is imposed. I'm, I'm going to quote this is a whole paragraph from U.S. versus Milton. Quote Furthermore, the duty to file tax returns and pay income taxes is clear. Section 1 of the Internal Revenue Code imposes a federal tax on taxable income of every individual. See Section 1. Section 63 defines taxable income as gross income minus allowable deduction. See Section 63. Section 61A states that gross income means all income from whatever source derived, including compensation for services. See Section 61. Section 6001 and 6011 provide that a person must keep records and file a tax return for any tax for which he is liable, see 6001 and 6011. Finally, Section 6012 provides that every individual having gross income that equals or exceeds the exemption amount in a taxable year shall file an income tax return, see Section 6012. The duty to pay federal income taxes, therefore, is manifest on the face of the statute without any resort to IRS rules, forms, or regulations. The rarely recognized proposition that where the law is vague or highly debatable, a defendant actually or imputedly lacks the requisite intent to violate simply does not apply here. End quote. I didn't hear Section 83 in there, did you? Section 83 Regulations 1.83-4B2 says to figure your cost, you apply Section 1012. So Section 83 and 1012 apply directly to any and all compensation for services. It explains how to tax it. It determines your cost. And I don't hear them in the government's equation. This is proof they select a few laws, and they omit the other relevant laws that should be in the equation. Codebreaker, the Section 83 equation, is the name of my manual about tax code Section 83. Because if you start in 61A, the equation flows toward 6012 and the requirement to file a tax return. If you don't start in Section 83, you lose Section 83 which I've been
2: teaching since 1993. So all of this is really very old stuff. Extremely old, 23 years. And by the way, on that note,
0: two weeks, April 15th, that's my 28th year anniversary of IRS agent Marty Webb, appearing on my doorstep when I was living in Federal Way, Washington State. Uh, She knocked on my door. I didn't like the way I was treated, and so I started studying tax law. So all of this is very old stuff. And my manual, uh, Chris, you want to type in the name of the website there and your email address? On the website, wevgov.com, dot you'll see uh, publications, other materials available. Codebreaker, the Section 83 equation, is a manual about Section 83. On my YouTube channel, you go to the website, wevgov.com, and in the upper left-hand column, in the menu column, you'll see at the top, YouTube 2. Click on YouTube 2, and just a couple weeks ago, I posted a
2: two-and-a-half-hour Uh, seminar, tutorial, about Section 83. It's that important that if you don't start there, you
0: don't get Section 83. All the logic and reasoning of the statutes flow away from it. Here's another fascinating quote. Uh, Let me search for it here. This is Hartman versus Commissioner, 1975 tax court. I'll paste it into the chat. Here it comes. Maybe. Hartman versus Commissioner, 65TC542. 65TC542. But the Internal Revenue Code cannot be so read, for each section is not a self-contained whole, but rather a building block of a complex interrelated statute. Exactly. And where they lose everybody is, oh, here's the deduction over here. Oh, that deduction changed this year. You can't write that off anymore. Oh, next year it'll be back. Oh, you have more dependents, or you didn't have that many dependents. You can write off of uh, the uh, interest you pay on your mortgage, the homeowner's deduction, Section 163. You can write off certain state taxes, 164. Oh, you get a personal exemption and standard deduction under 151D and 63C if uh, you're single and no one else can claim you as a deduction. And if you don't itemize, and they trap you in all these different directions, Once you're involved in the equation, once you have gross income to report, a tax return is to report gross income. If you don't have gross income that equals or exceeds the exemption amount, 6012 then you don't have a duty to file. How did Section 83 operate in your conclusion that the value of my labor is gross income? They can't talk about it. At the same time, they say, as you'll see on the Federal Income Taxation page of com that Section 83 applies to all compensation for services. It explains how to tax it. Checkmate. Well, it's not checkmate, Citizen Breath. It's a secret. We aren't going to talk about it, and you're going to prison. That's your relationship with government. You have the same relationship with government as you do with the... Uh, person that runs up with a crowbar when you're stopped
2: at a traffic light and threatens you and steals your car. Same relationship. Same relationship you have with somebody that would kidnap you for several years and lock you up with the mentally retarded, such is the nature of the federal prison system. So your
0: relationship with government is the same relationship you have with a knee-breaker collecting an illegal debt that you never even accrued. It's not like a gambling debt. Yeah, I was gambling, I owe the money, I can't pay it, and so you break my legs. This is worse. I don't owe the money, but the government's going to take it even if they have to break your legs. That's your relationship with government. Every judge is as corrupt as the day is long. And this show is another pile of steaming, smelly proof of exactly that. So, uh, that U.S. versus Melton case is very telling. Here's how we prove you owe the tax. And they don't mention Section 83. Those statutes are exactly the statutes I allude to when I tell you here's the equation these are the statutes they use to prove you have a duty. And it doesn't include Section 83. So I can prove you have a duty by arguing their way, and I can prove you don't have a duty by arguing statutes they didn't consider, but that they say, explain how to tax you. So we have at least leveled the playing field. And the only thing that means anything is the fact that they have the prisons, they have the handcuffs, and they have the guns. They definitely do not have the law, but they do it anyway,
2: meaning if they can't handle you with the law, they'll handle you without the law, and they'll get your money. And so since the
0: 90s, I've been telling people the best you can do here in America is start a home business and accumulate the deductions H&R blocks as the the, uh, IRS will allow And at the end of the year, you look at the amount you ultimately paid as the price of admission to the shouting match with your congressman. But in the meantime, there's a lot you could do to hedge against being indicted. The best method out there is becoming a co-complainant to my 2006 complaint to 80 members of Congress. The uh, August 14th of 2000, or August 27th of 2014 supplemental memorandum that was filed with Congress. Become a co-complainant, and that makes my complaint and supplemental memorandum your complaint and your supplemental memorandum. You then can photocopy it and serve it on all these public servants that think you owe money. They'll still get your money. But it'll be much harder for them to convince a trial jury or a grand jury that you believe you have a duty. And if you don't believe you have a duty, you're not willful. If you fail to file or fail to pay, according to the government's own sentencing or uh, trial memorandum, in the case of James R. Back, Anchorage, Alaska, 2014. Let's uh, let's touch on that memorandum, why don't we? I'm going to see if I can open this quickly. If not, uh, there it is right there. This is a case of a man that was making $125,000 plus each year as an Alieska Pipeline Technician in Alaska. He filed several Pete Hendrickson tax returns and was nailed for it. But the government's own trial memorandum Uh, They cite Ninth Circuit criminal jury instructions, uh, jury instruction on the Ninth Circuit 9.42. In order to prove that the defendant acted willfully, the government must prove beyond a reasonable doubt that the defendant knew federal tax law imposed a duty on him, and the defendant intentionally and voluntarily violated that duty. A defendant who acts on a good-faith misunderstanding as to the requirements of the law does not act willfully even if his understanding of the law is wrong or unreasonable. Nevertheless, merely disagreeing with the law does not constitute a good-faith misunderstanding of the law because all persons have a duty to obey the law whether or not they agree with it. Thus, in order to prove that the defendant acted willfully, the government must prove beyond reasonable doubt that the defendant did not have a good-faith belief that he was complying with the law. And when I'm on record with Congress saying, this is my belief about the law, you deprive me of Section 83, and until it's dispelled or disproved with uh, logical and cogent refutation based upon relevant authorities, I will continue to act upon it. See how that stands in the way of that equation in the U.S. versus Melton that says gross income is everything, and then we go to Section 63, and you get deductions, and you have to file, and you pay a tax under Section 1. See how when you throw another statute in there that they can't talk about, suddenly their equation runs backward? Or right on. That makes it more difficult for the government to prove that you have a duty. Right after this jury instruction is quoted here in this trial memorandum of the government, the government says, and I'm going to read this whole paragraph to you, Section 7203, failure to file, and 7206, false tax documents of the Internal Revenue Code used the term willfully. In Cheek v. U.S. 1991, the Supreme Court set forth the following definition. Willfulness, as construed by our prior decisions in criminal tax cases, requires the government to prove that the law imposed a duty on the defendant, that the defendant knew of this duty, and that he voluntarily and intentionally violated that duty. This same definition applies equally to all tax offenses, misdemeanors, and felonies alike. Uh, See U.S. versus Pomponio. In other words, if you know that you owe a tax and you do not pay them, you have acted willfully. In a failure to file a tax return prosecution, the government is not required to prove an intent to evade or defeat a tax, but instead may prove an intent to disobey or disregard the law, which may be the intent not to file a return rather than the intent to evade or defeat a tax. There. In one paragraph, the government really lays out a whole lot there. It says that the government must prove that the law imposed a duty on the defendant. And then they skip that in the next two statements they make. They say, in other words, if you know that you owe a tax and you do not pay it, you have acted willfully. Wrong. If you owe a tax and you know that you owe a tax and you do not pay them, they like to leave off that first part, prove that you owe a tax, because they can't
2: prove you owe a tax when they include Section 83 and 1012. Checkmate. Getting near the top of the hour. How about we open it up for question and answer, Chris?
3: Okay. Um, hold on, just unblock
0: unblock everybody. I
3: will just 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 give me one more minute. Uh if I don't have any special characters that are not compatible, um, I'm on I'm with support to find out why uh, uh, we couldn't cut and paste or or uh, okay right in there. Okay, um, here I am um okay okay here we are all right unblocked chat okay everybody um is now there you go everybody can chat and anybody has any questions please hit star eight on your telephone and i will bring you in for a question and so far we'll give a chance for people to type i mean this is good information i mean this is showing you know i know a lot of people have their own different interpretations of how things should be argued and blah 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 um and that's what it gets to be, blah, blah, blah. The uh, Is Hartman versus CIR the as Raymond versus Hartman? Um,
0: I may have misstated uh, the name of the case in the past. I've said Raymond versus Hartman. It's Hartman versus Commissioner. And I don't know the name of the commissioner in 1975. That might be the Raymond I was looking for. But... Uh, I do have an incredible memory, not a perfect one. And this goes all the way back to my, you know, 1990 research. So uh, I use Hartman versus Commissioner. I said uh, Hartman versus Raymond in the past or Raymond versus Hartman. Yes, this is the case I was talking
3: about. Okay, so it is Raymond versus Hartman is what you're saying, right?
0: No, I've said Raymond versus Hartman in the past. Oh. What I think I meant to say was Hartman versus commissioner. Right.
3: Well, yeah, you typed in Hartman versus CIR, 65 tax court, blah, blah, blah. On your website, it says Raymond versus Hartman. My mistake. All right. We will get that correct, though. Um Okay. Uh You know, one thanks of the, for,
0: thanks for pointing that out, I want my website to be clean of mistakes, of course. Go ahead, Chris. One
3: one of the things that Dave really brings out, you know, like the uh the one guy I got on the uh, chat are talking about negotiable instruments, and I got an email today about Winston Shroud, you know, that it looks like they they're not going to get them and i went to pacer and i don't see any evidence of that at all but you know i really do hope that winston shroud can show the world that the negotiable instrument the birth certificate and all that works i really do because a lot of people have gone to prison over that a lot of people have gotten themselves deeply in trouble And and um, you know where they were buying Cadillacs to buying houses, and I mean the list goes on. And I really would like to see something positive come out of it. But until then, until then, David has the only method that has worked for me, and I've tried the negotiable instruments and I did the birth certificate route and I did all the bills of exchange and with Barton Butte who I, who I think is the guru. I mean, a bonafide guru on the UCC. Nobody knew it better than him. And yet he, he went to prison. So, you know, the, um, you know and and Barton and I were pretty good friends you know and 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 it was sad but you know when you when you're faced when you're in a position where the judge does not make the decision but a grand jury does this is your this is your time to shine this is your time when you get a letter stating that You know, this office is being, you know, your your case has been referred to us because we're looking at you to, you know, uh, evasion of taxes for the years following, you know, and all this. And you get that letter and they want you to come in to testify against yourself and which most people go in there and start their rant and raving about. Oh, you know, I'm I'm not a citizen of the United States, and you know, oh, look at that flag in the corner, and you got a gold fringe on it, and all this. When you go through all that stuff, you know, they just sit there, smile on their face, and say, hmm, hmm, and you know, oh, would you like a cup of coffee while you're uh, putting yourself in prison, you know, and and then you leave, and you and you feel good, man. You you dumped on them. You told them. And you know, and then you get indicted, and off to jail you go. But at the end of the letter, it says, however, if you can't make the meeting or you don't want to come in for the meeting, write us and tell us your position. We'd be glad to hear it. That is a perfect solution, a perfect avenue. Because if if you're not the type you can get in their face and be confrontational, and you want to hide behind the pen? That that is the perfect time. This is when you give them your note. This is what I did, folks. Except I'm confrontational when I have to be. So and, and I said, no, no, I want to go in front of the grand jury. I I want to go, you know. But if you don't want to go and you want to hide behind the pen, this is a perfect time. This is you know because. When I got that letter, I could have gave them that stuff, but I didn't because I told them, no, no, I want to go in front of the grand jury, and they even wrote wrote back, said, no, no, get, get, tell us what you want because anything you say can be used against you in a court of law, and I said, no, no, that's fine. You know, I didn't even respond to that letter. But by, by the way, so the 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 last paragraph of a letter that you'll in in this letter is. If you don't want to come in, we can't have the meeting. We can't agree to the time of the meeting. Go ahead and get, and put it in writing, if you like, uh, on your position, and the government will consider it. That's the best time, folks, to give them your affidavit adjoiner, the copy of the criminal complaint, and anything else that you are a part of with the interpretation that Dave has founded over the years. And although, you know, I, I wanna say I can promise you, but I can't, you know, but I can I can say I wanna promise you that you'll get far better down the road than you will with any any other process that I've seen today. And you know, I'm on about twenty to thirty phone calls a day. Sometimes I get fifteen But most of the time, I'm on the phone all day long with folks that are having problems. And the problems I'm hearing is always, you know, I mean, I have one guy, email me and said, you know, hey, I sent, you know, what you said about uh, you helping Pete Hendrickson's people, you know, from getting indicted. And he said, that's an out and out lie. No, it isn't. (laughs) No, it isn't. I can, I can. I I have many people that have that have done it, okay, and 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 we've helped them, and so it isn't a lie, and uh, and and I can prove it beyond a doubt. But Pete Hendrickson wants to say that Dave's argument is frivolous, and he doesn't even give the interpretation. He just said, well, you know, he's like the IRS. <laughs> Don't listen to it, and 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 Winston Shroud. Has helped a lot of people with his negotiable in- instruments, only up to the time where these people get indicted, and and when they try to summons him to be an expert witness on you know to support the guy, he's nowhere to be found. So it's going to be interesting to see where he goes with this. And like I said, I just went to his case. And there's nothing really there to adjudge you know anything what's going on. He has a hearing tomorrow, uh, and I will check Pacer you know in a day or two after that to see what's happening. And in closing, I want to say, for those who have gotten an email from me today about tomorrow night's call if you if you're on the call and you join the the south carolina uh i mean excuse me, well South Carolina or the South Dakota and you did not get an email from me today, email me with the subject matter lawsuit and if you did in fact join and you did not get an email. I will punish myself and then send you the notice of where to get on the call. Okay. So make sure you do that. If, if you join now, if you haven't joined, you're not privy to the call because this it's only for those who have joined. Uh, don't feel left out. You, cho- you know, if, if you didn't join, that was your choice. And, and, um, but and that could be a good thing or a bad thing it's up to you to to weigh that but uh as david said tonight the court has given us has really opened the book and said look this is what's got to take place to have an article 3 standing and yet they're kind of contradicting themselves. You know, they're kind of being, you know, two ways about it. Look, this is what you need to do. In silence, they say, that's what you did, but we're going to ignore that. And so it's going to take more, more issues to handle this. So be on the call tomorrow night if if you had joined. Uh, so now with that being said, uh, do do they always have that offer? Offer you the opportunity to send it before the uh, grand jury? In most cases, yes. I know very few. In fact, I I can't. I don't know anybody that's been indicted without that offer. Let's put it that way. Um, everybody know got some kind of a letter uh, or some notice. Um, Pete Hendrickson says, uh, 83 is irrelevant. Yeah, it it does. And he, and he, you know, it makes him, yeah, you're right. Oh, that's data. Excuse me. It makes him irrelevant. Okay. Uh, what steps to join on the complaint memorandum to Congress? Uh, give me a call tomorrow. If you don't, if here, I want to type in my email and, um, Okay, Dave uh, Dave says good night everybody. Have uh and thank you. So, uh, any questions to Dave is now off the table. Um Uh I'm going to put my email in here. American Liberties gmail.com okay that is uh that's my email you're, you're more than welcome to uh email me and uh and we'll have a conversation we gotta have a conversation because there's uh different things i gotta know um so with that being said uh i don't see any more questions thank you dave thank you dave and uh uh, let's see. oh, here we got. we got uh haven't seen you on the phone for a while go go ahead pro poe
1: yes, sir. hi, uh, I wanted to tell you this you were talking about Hartman versus uh the c i r maybe you can pass this along to uh Dave also, I believe that that was Dr. Raymond Hartman. Versus a I, that's where the Raymond came in. He was a, a neighbor of mine and a, a friend, and he's the one who educated me on the whole tax issue. And he was also very close with uh, Irwin Schiff.
3: Yeah, I believe I believe that uh, David um, a- acknowledged it was Raymond.
1: Yes, it's Raymond Hartman. Yeah. Versus the commissioner.
3: Oh, okay. Raymond Hartman versus Commissioner. Okay, I, think, I
1: believe that's what he's talking about.
3: I'll be sure to tell him that. Thank yeah, you I, very I, much. I, the
1: Hartman and the Raymond together, I, uh, you know, I, and I know his his uh, problems went way back, so I would assume that that's the one he's talking about.
3: Yep. Hey, thank you very, very sure. much for that. Sure, Chappie. Okay. Thank you. Okay, thank you. Um, okay, um, uh, Millstone, I, I believe you were a person. I didn't see you. How you doing, Millstone? Eighty-four. Are you out there? Are you here? Can you hear me? Yeah, yeah I can hear you now.
1: Oh, okay, thank you. I uh, my question was how is what is the process to join in the complaint and memorandum that was filed by Mr. Myerland in two thousand six
3: yeah comments. i just i just put my email in the chat for you to get and i said give me a call tomorrow uh email me tomorrow and we'll arrange a time to talk and i'll go over it with you then okay oh
1: it's your american civil liberties uh dot l l c
3: well it's american liberties yeah oh, not perfect. civil but american liberties dot l l c at gmail dot com
1: okay thank you yeah i'll, I'll I'll text because I'd like to find out what are the steps to join that complaint.
3: Good, love to talk to you. Thank you. Thank you. Bye. Okay, guest seven has a question above um, for the call Thursday. Um, okay. All right. When when let me go to seven first. Do they always have to offer you an opportunity? Uh, did you hear my answer when I answered that, guess 7? Or is there another question? Guest 7.
2: Okay.
3: Uh, you put your finger on the statute before you put your finger on the taxpayer. Where do I find that? Okay, keep going keep going up I guess um, is Hartman can you can you just go ahead and copy and paste it again please <laughs> that was that was it uh, okay well the way I understand is is Raymond Hartman versus uh, CIR the commissioner Okay, you got it. Okay, now Evan Hut 99. Um are you a joiner to the crimin- are you a joiner to South Dakota or South Carolina? Um Yes. And you did not get an email from me? No. Yes or no. That was a quick answer. I didn't even get to finish the question yet. Okay, let let me ask you again. <laughs> let me ask you again. Did you join the South Carolina or the South Dakota lawsuit? Hut ninety nine. No. Okay. Um the call is only for the people who join those, okay? Um they have a vested interest in this lawsuit, which helps you in the long run, but it it's it's only for those. Um okay, let me see. Any other questions? No, I guess it's it. Um I'd like to thank everybody for coming to the call. You know, help us get the word out about wevgov.com. Um, there's, uh, there's, there's, it's, it's going to be an interesting contest, a con contest coming up. And for those of you that um, that know that I'm in tax court, uh, you can go back to last week's call. Last Wednesday's call, I, I talked about that a little bit, and, um, and I haven't heard anything yet, but it'll be a while. So with that being said, God bless America, and this call is officially over. Thank you.